The Bible is separated into the Old and New Testaments. We read accounts of diverse people in various times. We find poetry, historical texts, and personal letters, but all of it points to Jesus. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. In his book, Knockout Entrepreneur, boxing legend George Foreman writes this, the world is full of people who want to play it safe, people who have a tremendous potential but never use it. Somewhere deep inside them, they know that they could do more in life, be more and have more, if only they were willing to take risk. George is a guy that's taken a few risks in his life. He retired after being the heavyweight champion of the world to become an ordained minister. He opened a youth center, and uh, he wanted to raise funds for the youth center. So at, uh, in his 40s, he decided to go back into boxing, and he became the oldest heavyweight champion in history. He, st he still speaks about his faith. In addition, he lent his name to a little thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's called the George Foreman Grill. How many of you got one of those in your house, right? I mean, it's my favorite thing to cook hot dogs on. I love it. And, uh, and so not only that, but here's what George did last year. He was on, if you've seen the show, The Masked Singer, George Foreman was on The Masked Singer last year. Recently, he was the executive producer on a film that's actually in theaters right now that's about his life. So see, we can choose to play it safe or we can choose to go after all that God has for us. And today we're continuing our series at the scene and we've been looking at places in the Bible where Old Testament, or Old Testament scholars believe that a pre-incarnate Jesus showed up at the scene. These are often referred to as Christophanies and in today's story, we're gonna see where Jacob takes a risk. It wasn't any, just any risk, it was a big risk. In fact, the biggest risk. It was David versus Goliath. It was Rocky versus Apollo. It was George Foreman versus Evander Holyfield. It was a match up no one could predict. It was Jacob versus God in the ultimate main event. Let me set the story up for you. Jacob had just left his uncle Laban's place. We talked about that story a few weeks ago. And he's headed back now to his homeland. And when he had left, his brother Esau wanted to kill him. And, and because Jacob had, and, and his name literally means deceiver, had, had deceived their father to get the blessing of the fourth, firstborn. Esau had previously sold Jacob his birthright for a bowl of lentils, and, and Jacob was probably a little nervous about facing his brother for the first time. So he took his flocks, he took his wives, he divided them up in different camps, and he had given them instructions what to say when they came in contact with Esau. And this is where we find Jacob in today's story, Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions, and this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. 
Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name no longer will be Jacob. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there, and Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he says, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hemp. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. There's several things I want us to see in this this morning, but the first is this, is if you're writing your notes, you can pull, open your bulletin, and there's notes there. If you want to follow along, you, you can go to connectedhope.com and click on the Bible app. So the first thing I want you to see is Jacob wasn't concerned with having more things. Jacob wasn't concerned with having more things. You say, how do you know that? Because during the wife, during the night, he took his wives, he took his two servant wives, his 11 sons, he crossed over the Jabbok River with them, and after taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. He had nothing when he left home. Now think about that. He didn't have anything when he left home. Now he's coming back after spending 20 years working for his uncle Laban. He's coming back with two wives, Rachel and Leah. He's coming back with his, uh, two maid, their two maid servants or servant wives that Rachel and Leah had. Between them, they had 11 sons. And, and he goes away with nothing. He comes back with, as a wealthy man with plenty of livestock and plenty of possessions. In verse 3 of Genesis 32, it says, Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Sire in the land of Edom, he told them, give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now I have been living with Uncle Laban. And now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks of sheep and goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. Now Jacob had gained a lot. But he was willing to risk it all in order to to gain the approval of God and to have reconciliation with his brother. Second thing I want you to see is that Jacob's concern was gaining the blessing of God. If you go back to verse 24, it says this left Jacob alone in the camp. So he'd sent all of his possessions. He sent everything he had over. And so now he's completely alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Jacob wrestled with a man. And this man, it is believed, was the angel of the Lord who is identified with God himself. This is a, a theophany, and some scholars believe this is actually a Christophany. It's where Jesus shows up on the scene, and he's there, and he's wrestling. And so Jacob would himself later say in verse 30, I have seen God face to face. Yet my life has been spared. So Jesus shows up at the scene here, and there's a phrase that really sticks out in verse 25. It says, when the man saw that he would not win the match. Now think about that. This is God he's wrestling with. How could he not win the match? This wasn't a physical match. It was a spiritual match. 
Jacob wasn't going to give up. That was one of his strengths. If you think about it, that was one of his strengths. He didn't give up when Laban said he had to work for seven years to be able to marry Rachel. He didn't give up when Laban tricked him into marrying Leah first, and, and so he, he, he chose to work another seven years uh, so that he could, could, so he could actually marry Rachel this time. He didn't, he didn't give up. This is a guy who knows what he wants and won't give up until he gets it. In Genesis 31, verse 38, says, for, he said this to his uncle Laban, for 20 years I have been with you, caring for your flocks, and all that time your sheep and goats never miscarried, and all those years I never used a single ram of yours for food. If any were attacked and killed by wild animals, I never showed you the carcass and asked you to reduce the count of your flock. No, I took the loss myself. You made me pay for every stolen animal, whether it was taken in broad daylight or in the dark of night. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day and through cold and sleepless nights. Yes, for 20 years, I slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years earning your two daughters and then six more years for your flock and you changed my wages 10 times. This was a guy who didn't give up. A guy who didn't give up easily. He took that same energy, and I want you to see this this morning, is he took that same energy and used it to pursue God. There's a lot of people that pursue things in life. Think about George Foreman. I mean, this dude was driven to be the world heavyweight champion. And when he became that, and then he ended up losing the belt, he became equally as driven to go and to reach the lost. And he became a minister. He spoke. He opened up a youth center. And, and, and then when the youth center needed money, he said, look, I, I get it that I'm not as young as I used to be, so let me go back here and let me start training again and let me fight Evander Holyfield so that possibly I could actually become the heavyweight champion of the world again. And he, eventually, he, he, he was able to do that. He was able to win a belt. It takes a lot of passion for somebody to be a world heavyweight champion. It takes a lot of drive for somebody to be a world-renowned entrepreneur. God, George took that same passion. He took that same drive, and he used it to pursue God. Jacob wasn't willing to give up. He wasn't willing to give up. Listen, he could have gone anywhere. He had he had lots of money. He had a lot of resources, a lot of, a lot of flocks, and he had his wives and his kids. He could have gone to settle anywhere, but he wanted to go back and be reconciled to his brother, and he knew that it was going to have to have the blessing of God on this, and so he pursued God with everything that he had. I want you to see this this morning. Write this down. It's that true blessing comes from brokenness. True blessing comes from brokenness. Verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. See, God knew that Jacob wasn't going to give up. He knew that. Why? Because he had placed that strength within He had placed that, that drive that Jacob had within him. So he knew that he wasn't going to give up. So what did he have to do? He had to break him down. He had to crush his pride. There comes a moment in our lives where sometimes our pride needs to be broken. We have our rap identity wrapped into what we have and what we can do. And God needs to break us so that we can be all that he wants us to be. It's in that moment where God breaks us to change us he breaks us to change us from who we are 
to who he wants us to be. Warren Wiersbe writes this. He says, at Bethel, God had promised to bless Jacob. And from a material point of view, that promise was fulfilled. For Jacob was now a wealthy man, but there's much more to the blessing of God than flocks, herds, and servants. There's also the matter of godly character and spiritual influence. And during that dark night of the soul, Jacob discovered that he spent his life fighting God and resisting his will. And that the only way to victory was through surrender. As A.W. Tozer said, the Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. And God conquered Jacob by weakening him. See, in, that, in this moment of brokenness, we learn to quit living in our strength. We learn to quit. See, Jacob, he had wrestled. He learned by getting a limp, he learned that he had to rely on God. He began to walk in God's blessing for his life. It's from our brokenness that God begins to mold and he begins to shape us into who he wants us to be. Psalm 51 verse 16 says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. These are the words of, of, of the psalmist David as he wrote, wrote Psalm 51 based on the time when, when, when Nathan the prophet came to him and said, listen, I know what you did. Like, I know what you did. I know that you, you sent Uriah to the front line and you had him pull back. And I know that you had him killed so that you could marry his wife Bathsheba. I know what you did. And David f- finds himself into a place and he says, God, you don't want to sacrifice You don't want me just to offer a sacrifice or that's what I would do. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Oh God, listen, I want you to understand something this morning, church. In the New Testament and the era that we're living in, the, the sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. It's the fruit of our lips giving glory to God. God doesn't want our song. He wants our brokenness. God doesn't want just us to come in, give him lip service on a Sunday morning, but he wants us to come in broken and repentant. Why? Because he will not reject a broken and repentant heart. He wants us to pursue him. So pursuing God's blessing means that we got to write this down, shifting from living in our strength to his strength. It means that we, we shift from trying to do things ourselves to relying fully on God. Verse 26, he says, Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob wrestled with God, and God disabled Jacob's hip. And Jacob knew he could no longer walk in his own strength. He could no longer do things in in, in his own power, in his own strength. He had to have God's strength. One commentator wrote this. He said, he who had until a few moments ago been trying to do without the Lord as much as possible had realized how impossible it was for him to function without the Lord. And the thought of of trying was appalling to him. He would not and he could not let him go. He said, listen, I can't let you go. Unless you bless me, I can't let you go because I, I can't do this anymore in my own strength. So many of us, we try to do things in our own power, in our own ability. We try to use our personality, our charisma. We try to use our knowledge. We try to use our bank account to try to do things for God. And listen, God's just saying, listen, I want you just to rely on me. 
I want you to rely on me. And if it takes you to be broken in order to rely on me, then that's what it takes. But God wants us to surrender ourselves fully to him. Hosea talked about this moment that Jacob had in, in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 12. He says, even in the womb, Jacob struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. And there at Bethel, he met God face to face and God spoke to him. I love that line. He said it, he wept and he pleaded for a blessing from him. Jacob knew that he needed the blessing of God. He knew he could no longer operate in his own strength. And this was a shift. This was a change. He had to have God, and he wasn't letting go. This week, we were driving down the road, and, and uh, we were just talking, and Sasha makes a statement to me in passing. She said, I wonder if people realize how blessed we are in the American church. And I was like, okay, where are you going with this? And she went on to talk about how we have air-conditioned building. How many are thankful for that? Come on, somebody. She went and talked about how on Sunday mornings in most churches in America now, you can go in and you can get a, a cup of coffee. You can get a, a donut. You have something to eat. She talked about how that we have ministries for our kids. This morning, we've got ministries for our kids that are taking place. We've got nursery that's provided. We have padded seats to sit on. We have sound systems that we use to project the sound of the speaker, the teacher, the pastor, the preacher, the minister. Man, there was something about that that struck me. Because I wonder, would people still come to church if our chairs weren't padded? Would people still attend if there was no AC? Would they still come if we didn't offer ministry to kids? Would they still come if we didn't give free coffee? Would they still come if we didn't give a gift to moms on Mother's Day and a, a gift to dads on, on Father's Day? Would they still come if we didn't provide food for events? And would they still come if we didn't have as much comfort? Several years ago and as a student pastor and took a missions trip to Monterey, Mexico. Monterey is the second largest city in Mexico, and we planned on working in the neighborhoods there within the city. That was the plan. That was what we were planning on doing, and we would go in and we would do a kid's service uh, that, in, in the park, and then we would invite everybody back for a night, uh, evening message, and, and we would do an illustrated message and that was our plan. We had worked with our students. We taught them dramas. We had, we'd, we'd go in and we were working with other youth groups and it, and it was great. That was our plan. Our trip leader is an amazing guy and he has a philosophy. He says, you, he says, when it comes to missions trips for teenagers, we want them to eat good. We want them to sleep good, but we want them to work hard. So he was like, my philosophy is we're, we're not going to go in and we're not going to, you know, like sleep on the floor of a church somewhere. We're not going to go in and like, like eat, eat like, you know, bad. we're going to eat good. 
So we're, you know, we were in Monterey. They have a lot of American restaurants there. We were going to eat at Carl's Jr. for lunch and go to places like Chili's at night. And uh, we, we, we stayed in a nice, I'm talking nice American chain hotel that was near the airport there in Monterey. And every morning we had the, the great breakfast that, that, that was there. And so our plan going in was that this is what we're going to do when we get there. And the local church that we partnered with had something different in mind. They said, we really need you guys to help us out here in the village. There's a village about an hour away from where you're staying. And and so we're not going to be able to get you back to Carl's Jr. for lunch. We're not going to be able to get you back to the restaurant for lunch. So you're going to have to figure that out. We're going to have to like pack sandwiches or something. So like we didn't bring coolers or anything. Thankfully, Monterey had a Walmart. Come on. So we go to Walmart, we, we stock, uh, you know, we, we get some sandwich meat, we get some, you know, bread, some mustard, mayonnaise, we get some cheese, we get, we get some chips, and, and we get some little Debbie snack cakes, and we go, and, and, you know, we go out into this village. We drive an hour outside of town. And um, we even had one meal that the uh, local church provided for us. Now, I was praying we didn't get Montezuma's revenge. Come on, somebody. But as I was eating the tamale, because I'm looking like, is this okay? And I'm looking at the trip leader, and my, my students are looking at me, and I'm looking at the trip leader, and he kind of gives me a smile, and I'm like, uh, okay, and I'm smiling at them thinking, oh, God, you got to help us here, because I'm not, you know, I, I don't want us all to go home sick. Like, you know, uh, we've got it, because we drove into Monterey, and we were, you know, I was in Oklahoma at that time, and we had to drive back. I mean, I, I didn't want to drive back a van full of sick kids when I was sick, so praying that God would help us. Each day we set up a kid's service and then that night we invited the church or the, the people back to the local church. So I get to the local church and I'm expecting this. Comfort pew, chairs or pews, air conditioning. Nope. It was just a little slab of concrete with a little pavilion, metal, metal roof, you know, basically four posts, I think, maybe, maybe six posts that were holding up the, the structure. No walls. Had a little bit of a sound system. We actually took our sound that we had brought with us for the outdoor and set it up. And I'm talking in the middle of June, Monterey, Mexico. How many understand Monterey's a little bit further south than us, that if you think it's hot in June in Texas, add a few degrees. It was burning up. So we took our fans, box fans that we had, and we put, we had four of them, so we put them in the four corners of that place. We rigged it up with extension cables and all that and, and did it. And as, as the pastors of that church, when we flipped on that air and got just some air circulating under this, you would have thought we installed an air conditioning system in there. They began to cry. So at the end of the week, we were like, we can't take this from them. We'll just leave it and we'll buy it. We'll buy new when we get back. And that's what we did. I'm not telling you that to, to, to like toot our horn. I'm, I, I want to toot the horn of those people. Because guess what? No walls, no AC, no restroom, no nursery, no kids' church. June in the middle of Mexico. That didn't deter people from coming and pursuing God. 
That didn't deter people from coming and beginning to worship God with everything they have. Church, we can't allow our level of comfortability and convenience to lull us into apathy. I want to challenge you today. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a night of prayer and worship. You heard about it on the video. First Wednesday night of every month. Don't allow your schedule, don't allow the fact that it's a Wednesday at 7, don't allow your insecurity about your own prayer life or anything else to keep you from coming to pursue God. I'm telling you right now, we are in a season in our church that we need God more than we ever had before. Listen, we're taking steps of faith like we've never taken before, and I'm believing God for bigger things, and I'm telling you guys that we need to come together for this. This needs to be something that we're all passionate about. If we're ever going to be what God wants us to be or who God wants us to be, we have to be willing to hold on until we receive the blessing that he has for us. We have to not rely on our strength. We've got to fully rely on his strength. Can I get an amen this morning? So our identity must be in God. Write that down. Verse 27 says, what's your name? The man asked, and he replied, Jacob. Now, as we mentioned last week, the names in the Old Testament, they had meaning. And let's go back to Jacob's birth. And when he, in the verse 24 of Genesis 25, when the, the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she didn't have tw- did, did indeed have twins, and the first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat, so they named him Esau. Then the other twin who was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Esau's name meant hairy or it meant red. Jacob's name meant he grasped the heel or figuratively he deceives. Now think about that. He was named a deceiver. That was not only his name, but it was his identity. He deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright for a bowl of lentils. He deceived Esau out of his blessing by tricking his father Isaac. He had been a deceiver his whole life, and God knew his name. He didn't need a reminder. He wanted Jacob to own up to who he had been. See, in life, we need to realize and admit who we have been so God can change us into who he wants us to be. Sometimes we need to, we need to realize that we're, we, we've been a certain way and say, God, here I am. This is what I've been, but I'm no longer going to be that. I'm going to be who you've called me to be. Verse 28 says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From, that, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. So God told him, you're no longer a deceiver. You are a child of the king. Israel means this, he will rule as God. Or it means soldier of God or prince of God or contender or he struggles with God. In the end, Jacob didn't struggle with God to win. He struggled with God to gain a blessing. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 16, Paul refers to all followers of Jesus as the Israel of God. What were they? They were God strugglers. God doesn't want us to be passive. He wants us to fervently and passionately pursue him. You've heard me say this scripture over and over the last several weeks. It's a scripture, I believe, for the season that we are in as a church. In Matthew 7, 7 through 8, it says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. What do we have to do? We have to keep on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. We have to keep on praying, keep on seeking, keep on believing. Don't give up. 
Don't, when, when you're sitting there thinking you're wrestling and you're like, man, I'm not sure that I can get through this. Go after God with everything you have. Keep on pursuing him. We need to keep pursuing God. When we do, we're no longer Jacob. We are Israel. We're the God struggler, the God pursuer, his prince, his child. Are we ready to get in the square circle with God? Are we willing to pursue him and not let it go until he blesses us? See, that's a risk that's worth taking. That's a main event worth being a part of. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Today we're going to receive communion. The moment that Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two as a symbol that we all have access to God. No longer would we need somebody to speak to God on our behalf. We could go directly to him. And this morning we're going to remember sacrifice so we could come close to him. And we can pursue him with everything that we have. So if you did not get one of these elements today, would you raise your hand and one of our ushers will make sure that you get one. If you're watching online, if you want to slip Grab some real quick. Yeah, if, if, ever, if, you, if you need one, would you raise your hand today? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 says, So if anyone eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Can we just take a moment today? And search our hearts. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed. Maybe you're watching online this morning and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus came and he died a very cruel death on the cross for your sins. Romans 3.23 tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus, 
If you're watching online in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. We're all going to pray a prayer of faith together today before we receive this communion together to remind us of his sacrifice. We're all going to pray a prayer of dedication, committing our heart to the Lord. If you're, if you're watching online, you can just put a comment in the comment section or send us an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv. But if you're in the room, I want you to raise your hand when we say three. If that's you, if you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When I count to three this morning, just simply slip up your hand and let us know. And then we're all going to pray a prayer together. If that's you, raise your hand when I say three. One, two, three. Anyone in this room today? Yes, anybody else? I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Savior. Come on, would you just take a moment this morning then and pray this prayer with me? Come on, will everybody say it out loud? Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for setting me free from my sin. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, church, would you just put your hands together and give God praise for these that came, gave their heart to the Lord. Praise you. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three says this, for this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you just take that wafer in your hand today, and would you just break it just like that? And would you just thank him right now for his healing, his, his stripes he took on his back so that we might have healing? If you need healing this morning, let's claim that over your life. There's several of you in this room today or watching online. You need healing. Why don't you thank him for that healing and then ask him today for healing in your body? Father, I thank you. Lord, there's many that are watching today that are, 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 are home. They're not feeling well today. There's some that are in this room today. And God, we know that you took the stripes on, your, on their back so that they could have healing. And I praise you and I thank you for that this morning. I ask, Lord God, that you would do a work inside of them. God, that you would undo the curse of, of whatever the disease, or whatever the sickness or illness is in their body. And God, that you would make them whole again in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that it's by your stripes we are healed. And God, now we remember the sacrifice and we thank you for your broken body. Come on, can you, can you receive the bread together today? Verse 25 says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Come on, would you just hold that cup in your hand, and would you just thank him for salvation? Father, I thank you for your shed blood. Your word declares that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin, and I thank you, God that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin, to shed his blood. And I pray, God, that you would now, Lord, help us to remember. God, help us to not forget. Help us to not take for granted the sacrifice. God, I ask right now that you would do work in, in, inside of us. God, that we would be like 
Jacob, that we would lay hold until we, we get the blessing of God. Lord, if we have to limp to get it, that's fine. Father, we, if we have to have a name change from our old life to our new life, that's great, God. We want to be all that you can, called us to be. God, because your word says a broken and contrite spirit, you will not reject. You will not despise. And we thank you for your, your shed blood today. Come on, would you just take this cup? And drink it today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. Would you stand with us today? Lord, we worship you, God. We worship you. Jesus. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard tender whispers of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. Sing us, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are. Who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Who I am, sing yes, you're perfect. You're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Sing you're perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Thank you, Jesus. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Father, help us to be God strugglers, God pursuers, God chasers. I pray, God, that you would remind us this week of the need to pursue you, 
God, that we would see something that would remind us of you and that we would pursue you with everything that we have. God, I pray for this church. I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do in and through them, that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. To our friends that are watching online today, thank you for joining us today. God bless you.